You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When it comes to pregnancy and childbirth, it's no surprise that the health system focuses on the one carrying and giving birth to the baby. But new research from the non-profit organisation Healthy Male has found that this focus means new and expectant dads are missing out on vital support. Support that would make them happier, healthier and more engaged fathers. Simon von Salden is the CEO of Healthy Male and Adam Tardif is a dad who's felt the lack of support after he welcomed his first child. Welcome both of you to Feed, Play, Love. Hi, Siobhan. Thank you very much. Now, Simon, if I can start with you, what is it that health services are missing when it comes to new and expectant dads? Well, look, I think it's just that um, society's values around the father's role and fathers themselves have uh, really started to look at, they want to be more involved. And um, one of the things that I really want to get clear is that none of what we're suggesting or talking about is about taking anything away from the mothers or the babies because it's quite rightly focused on them. But this is about adding the fathers better into the, the mix of the um, whole process. So even when it comes to preconception health and right through to a child's birth and even in the in the case of stillbirth or miscarriage, the father has to be seen as part of that journey because if they're not, they, well, we've seen the evidence as to what can happen um, if they're not. And there is a desire to be there. So right back to preconception, if we think about the moment that um, a guy and a, a woman decide to actually have a child, they make that decision. Up until very recently, and probably still the case, um, usually what happens is the woman will go off to the chemist and get folic acid and some zinc, or might go to the GP, get a health check, and the guy says, oh, I'll be here when you need me. Um, and in fact, that's wrong, because for, for guys, most guys don't know that in fact, you start producing the sperm that you will produce in three months' time. So the the process of making that actually takes three months. So you need to be as healthy as you can to ensure that you've got the best sperm possible to make the healthiest baby that you can. Adam, what did you find the most difficult when it came to the birth of your child? Was it pregnancy or after your child was born? Uh, probably a bit of both. Uh, during pregnancy, I found my I'm generally a pretty calm type of person, um, particularly in the early stages. I found that my anxiety levels were a lot higher than they normally would be. And just just in general, like it was just this feeling that I couldn't shake. Um, it didn't lead to anything drastic. It was just I just found that I just felt this heightened feeling all the time that I just couldn't shake. <laughs> um, yeah. And then post-birth, the things that I found most difficult was the adjustment of trying to settle a, a, a something that just will not get settled <laughs> and, and <laughs> um, you know, not knowing much about the, the leaps that babies can have. And But the other thing was that my wife had um, quite a significant amount of troubles with breastfeeding and developed serious mastitis and didn't even know that mastitis, what mastitis was until that happened and um, that led to lots of different complications and 
Yeah, so just those sorts of things, helping my partner through stuff that was probably the most challenging that then led to more stress, I guess, than what I realised was going to occur. And um, Simon, is that when you talk about, um, you know, the impact of not having enough support or paying enough attention to dads through this process, is it what Adam's talking about, like increased stress? What What's the kind of fallout from not supporting dads enough? Yeah, so actually it's uh, interesting hearing Adam say uh, talk about that because we do know from the research that one in 20 men uh, have increased anxiety and depression during their partner's pregnancy. And a further one in 10 men have postnatal depression, um, so upon a child's birth. And these things aren't checked in on or looked at uh, in the health system. They, they, they go unnoticed and unchecked. And sadly, during the process of doing this work, we heard too many times from men that they actually self-diagnosed and went to their GP and say, look, this is why I feel this is what is. Is this what, I'm, is this what I've got? Uh, and we need to get a system that actually helps guys because it's not I don't think it's unfair to think that we've got specialists we've got special people who are trained in these areas and that's when you need to lean on others that have knowledge and that's what the beauty of the health system is there for and it does it so well with mothers and babies it just needs to now adapt and change a bit to actually take into account the needs of fathers. Adam what do you think would have helped you in that period? That um, the, the health, health professionals use their training and their understanding of what they deal with on a daily basis to ask me questions that would then lead me to to know that there was even, you know, to kind of strike up that conversation in the first place. You know, there's a lot of things that can go on that I still quite, you know, you still struggle to identify. And so until... Um, you know, someone that like like someone was just saying that can actually lead you to have those reflections and and think about what, what position you're in, and then help you with some information to kind of then guide you through what it is, what it means, and what you can then do about it would have made a huge difference for me. I was just navigating it all on my own, and that was that led to me having my own serious. Um, a mental breakdown when William was about 10 months old. Does any of that that you're feeling, do you think any of that came from your own expectations on yourself or others' expectations of you as the dad to handle things better? Like, you know, that idea, well, the mum's going through all this, you need to be her rock. Was there any sense that there was pressure on you to just kind of buck up and get on with things? Yeah, definitely. And a, a lot of it was probably more led by myself. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely this expectation that I felt that was just wrapped around me to to, to just buck up and, and, and keep on moving forward and, and, and ignore, not necessarily ignore it, but um, I, for me I just kept thinking that I've had these little feelings or these, you know, different types of feelings my whole life in different aspects. The difference is is that I was feeling them all at once and it was building over time and it and then it just went off like a pressure cooker really. And what happened at 10 months? How did it kind of manifest for you? Um, 
Well, in the end, I I I remember going to work, and I there was pressures with work. There was there, my dad wasn't well at the time, um, and I just changed jobs, and I was in a in a management position, and so I was just feeling all these different pressure points coming at me from all the different angles, and uh, and then eventually it just all came to a head, and I I just fell into a heap. I um, I just had got out of work as quick as I could, um, cry, like just crying. I just could not stop crying. And uh, I've had lots of years of experience working in in around mental health, so I knew what I could do and my aim was only I just need to get to a GP. So I called, I hailed a cab that was driving past and got to a GP as soon as I could because I knew I really felt like I was in serious trouble. Simon, when it comes to what you'd specifically like to see changed, um, what Adam was referring to, you know, just having a health professional ask him how he was doing and just checking in on him, does that kind of simple tweak make a significant difference or is it something that needs to be much wider than that? Uh, look, I, I think I think Siobhan, it's a it's a number of steps in it, and one of the one of the first things we actually noticed when we did our surveys was that about forty three percent, or not about, but forty three percent of fathers of the three hundred and seventy that we interviewed actually felt like their interaction with the health system was well uh, was poor. And interestingly, the health professionals that we interviewed, um, about one hundred and sixty of them found 61% of them said that they thought the health system was letting fathers down. So there's an agreement that things need to change. And so it's things like we think that health checks, they're standard health checks for mothers. And within that, within those health checks, the mental health checks get done. Um, to see how the mother's doing and how she's coping. And so that gets part, that's part of the physical checkup that actually happens as well. Because the guy isn't actually carrying the child, none of those things occur. So what we actually probably going to have to do is something along the lines of try and get some regular checkpoints for, for fellows along the way. So it might be that, you know, when you're planning to conceive. And the thing is, look, the, there's, already, there's already the... Um, the thing called the MBS numbers, uh, which you know GPs charge you to uh, every time you walk in the door. It's not about asking for new money. Th- these things exist within the current the current system. So you can actually go to a GP and say, "Look, you know, I'm looking at having a child. What do I need to do?" And so the, you'd get a general health check about how you are and and things. Then during the pregnancy, you'd actually get a check in again which would be more of a mental health check and just see how you're going, how you're faring, that sort of stuff. And then after the baby arrives. And we've had uh, maternal child healthcare nurses come back to saying that they'd never taken a fully a, a focus fully from the father's perspective until they saw the plus paternal work. And it's really made them reassess um, things, which I think is a really great positive outcome. I mean, the fact that they're willing to look at things differently, I think is just fabulous. I just want to make sure it's really clear too, though. I was asked by health professionals at the start of when you know when we'd come home, and and also my peers, you know, and friends. I, I was asked about how I was going, 
and that's good, but that's not the issue. The issue is even if you're giving me information on Panda or this is, you know, I'll oh, just so you know that postnatal depression exists in men too, okay, you're telling me that, but how? How do these things come about? What can I do about them? The issue is, is that not enough is actually, it's not just asking by leading into the conversation how I'm going, it's share with me some of the common things that can go on. Share with me how those things come about. I didn't realise how hard it was going to be to, uh, to, to, to work day in, day out, go to work while my wife's at home with a, a child that she can't settle and she's stressing out. I, I, and my work performance, and most men don't realise that their work performance or how they manage their workload is going to change in some way, shape or form. And if you don't manage that, that can lead to the things like anxiety and depression. And these are the things I, I'm talking about where I suggest that it's using what you know is common and what you know from people in the past to actually then lead that kind of conversation with people to then for then they're better informed. Whether it happens or not is another thing. Whether they do anything about it is up to them. But it's about helping people to get better informed. It's not just check in, oh, how are you going? Here's a panda flyer, which is great. But it's nowhere near enough. It didn't. It didn't. Doesn't help. Didn't help me enough. And I know many other dads that it hasn't helped either. Adam, with regards to that, do you feel also that asking for help? I mean, it's not easy for anyone. But mm. I would have thought it's particularly difficult for men to ask for help. Um, do you think that's something that? would that that men generally need to get better at yes when it comes to this kind of thing yes absolutely we we wait and i know that there's plenty of research that can and maybe simon might be able to um chime in on that as well but research and history and even myself is a clear example of we don't generally do anything until it's at its absolute worst like and i'm a prime example I knew something wasn't right. I thought it would go. I knew something wasn't right and I've had numerous years of experience working, helping people get referred to mental health services as a as a social worker over 10 years and I still didn't do anything about it. I thought it would go and I didn't do anything about it until, you know, there, it was kind of like this fork in the road type feeling where I could go one way and, and, and you know, and take them, most drastic action anyone can take on that's in their control or I could go towards the road of, of getting help. And, uh, again, you know, my family sometimes get really freaked out when they hear that and that's rightly so, but the other way wasn't an option. I was just focused on getting help, but it was there. That's, mm. the, that's, the, that's the thing. It was there. And with regard to what Adam's saying, is that's, and he's right. Asking is is never enough. Um, it needs to be there. Needs to be some action involved with that, and it needs to be helping guys be better at actually helping themselves. So part of that comes with looking at, at birthing and per, um, parenting classes to help help teach and guide a bit as well, um, mm-hmm. because for 
for guys who you know this is the first time round, um, it can be can be as simple as some of those things that Adam was saying. The the practical advice around knowing, okay, you know what, you're about to face some of the most sleepless nights of your life, and if your partner's got mastitis, this is what it means. This is what you can do. These are the things that can help. Um, so you start to learn and understand. So all of a sudden, you're not being pummeled with all these things that happen at once. And the the on top of anxiety, you, f- you feel this helplessness. So there's a, there is a range of things. We've got seven steps in total in the case for change that we're looking at. And we've been fortunate to have about uh, 25-odd organisations come along and endorse that because they also want to see these changes occur. Uh, it's really important, though, that organisations such as, and the one that Adam um, is a part of, Dad's Group, uh, which is where fellas get to tell other fellas what they've experienced. And that's so important. It's I was talking to um, an Indigenous radio program um, this morning and talking about things like um, deadly dads and, you know, yarning circles and things like that, which is, is fellas learning from one another. Um, it's such a powerful tool when you go, oh, so I'm actually not alone. This isn't this isn't unique and novel. This has happened to someone else. Uh, it's it's really important, and also those those really tragic times when it's been stillbirth or miscarriage. The service structure is such at the moment that it is very focused on the mother, and people. I think it has to be remembered that the father's lost something here too, and that's important to re- to make sure that we've got support mechanisms there. Absolutely. Um, well, Adam, I'd, I'd love to know how you're going now and how your wife and daughter are. Uh, my wife and son. So just, son. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going great. And even just after I started to be on the path of getting better, even the next day, like the, the, thankfully I, the GP who I'd never seen before, I just went to the one near my home. She was amazing. And that, was the starting point for me to start to get better. Mm. Well, Adam and Simon, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you for the thank opportunity. You. Much appreciated. That's Simon Von Saldron from Healthy Mail and Adam Tardif. <laughs> Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, Email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.